Welcome, everyone. So good to have all of you at all of our churches, Bluntstown, Chipley, and Mariana. As I told you last week, this is like one of our favorite times of the year as a church. And, and here's why. Um, every year for a few weeks, basically, we pause during the fall season, and we remind ourselves as a church why we do what we do, why we give our time, why we give our resources, and why we give our lives to create a church that is for people, a church that makes it easy for people to connect with God and for people to connect with each other. And so part of the reason that I am so passionate about this is because I absolutely love the local church because as I said last week, I believe that the local church is the hope of the world because it is the only organism, it's not an organization, that has the message of eternal life. It is the foundation for all parachurch organizations. If it wasn't for the local church, parachurch organizations would not exist. So the local church is the hope of the world. It is why I've given my life to pastor this church. But here's the thing. One other thing that makes me so passionate about this is that churches have such a negative reputation with most people, especially the unchurched people in our communities. Like I said last week, churches really and Christians have a serious branding problem. And that's not the fault of the people outside of the church. The problem lies within the attitudes and the actions of the people inside the church. And so if you're new to one of our churches today or if you're here for the very first time, I'm telling you, this is a great day for you to be here because I hope these next few weeks really help you see the heart of our church. And while we don't always get this right, when we don't, we try just to own that and say, hey, um, we didn't get it right that time. We're going to do better. We're, we, 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 um, we face it, embrace it, and, and move forward to do better at this thing called loving each other. And here, here's how... Um, we think as a church that people who act and think and say, I'm a follower of Jesus, absolutely should act and, and feel. Because here's what we say. We believe that for far too long, the church has been known for what it's against instead of who we are for. So, so every year, we collectively come together and say, hey, let's just get better at loving everyone. Now, the truth is, we all have to be reminded of that, don't we? Because this is so much easier said than done. It is so much easier just to be against. It's so much easier to cancel people. It's so much easier to say why other people are wrong rather than saying, hey, I don't agree. I don't even approve of everything, but I am going to love you. Because see, loving others, it is so challenging. It takes a lot of effort. It always requires something. Love requires sacrifice. So the easy thing for all of us is just to kind of ignore it and go, uh, I would just rather do a Bible study than love people. Well, the problem is with that approach is, um, at least for those of us who are Christ followers, if we say that we want to love God and we want to be in a relationship with God, Jesus taught, as we saw last week through John, the apostle, that it's impossible to be good at loving God if we're not good at loving each other. Like the two are, are one and the same. Loving God and loving other people, they're one and the same. So each year what we do is we take two to four weeks and we remind ourselves, hey, Jesus was for everyone, so let's just practice getting better at being for others in three areas. We say in the area of loving, in the area of giving, in the area of serving. Now, last week, we challenged you to be for others by 
loving well. And we looked at 1 John chapter 4, where John reminds us that Jesus demonstrated for us what love is like. And if you were not here last week, I would encourage you to go back and watch or listen to that talk. You can do that online. You can do it on our app. Because here's what Jesus did. Jesus defined what it means to love God in a way that we don't normally think about loving God. See, Jesus defined loving God in a way that's very tangible and very measurable. See, Jesus said, your love for God is authenticated and it is demonstrated by your love for others. And when he says others, it's like everyone. In other words, John said, when he wrote 1 John 4, he says, you you don't need to even tell me that you love God. I'm gonna be able to tell how much you love God by how well you love the people around you. The people that are even hard to love, the people that are your enemies, the people don't think like you. See, Christ-like love is proof of our connection to God. So today, we're going to focus on the give part of love, literally being for others through generosity. And next week, we're going to touch on the for others by being through acts of service toward others. Now, Years ago, what we decided is, instead of, as a church, recreating the wheel when it comes to helping people in our community, um, that if there's an organization in our communities that is doing extraordinary work, that we were going to come alongside of them, and we were going to partner with them instead of competing with them for resources. So every year now, around this time of the year, we try to bless with over-the-top kind of generosity, um, these kind of organizations that are serving our, our community. So in the last couple of years, I mean, you give, you've given around $50,000 a year every Sunday when we've done this and um, to help these organizations. But today, man, my prayer is that you just blow that away. We'll talk more about that uh, later. But first, before we get there, to begin our conversation today, I want you to think about this question. Here's the question. Why, why do you give? Why do you even give? Like, see, the truth is, for many of us, there's, there's many reasons, different reasons that we have, don't we? Like, sometimes we give, our, we give to make ourselves look good or maybe to impress somebody else. Sometimes we give out of guilt. Sometimes we give to make our, ourselves feel good. Sometimes we give to hoping that there's something good going to come back our way. And here's the thing. While it is always good to be generous, Jesus tells us, hey, there is a much better reason to show love for others through generosity than what most of us have as our own motive. See, when we are generous from this place of motivation that Jesus challenged us to live from, and we're going to look at that in just a moment. If you've got your Bibles, you go ahead and go to Matthew chapter 5. It has just an incredible, incredible impact. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look at something that Jesus taught his disciples, how he saw them interacting with the world in order to change the world. And and we're going to better understand um, the way that Jesus saw the world, how Jesus saw the disciples, how he saw us interacting with the world. And we're going to begin to understand the real power of loving others as Jesus loved us. So if you got your Bibles or if you want to follow along in the RCC app, you can go there to the talk notes. We're going to look at something that Jesus' disciple Matthew, he he recorded for us in Matthew chapter 5 in the account of Jesus' life in his most famous sermon. Now on this occasion, Jesus gathered with a group of people of his followers on a hillside, people who, don't miss this, they had no influence They had no power in their culture. They really had no money, no resources. And he told them, he says, hey, here's how you ought to love. 
And if you love in this way, you're gonna change the world. Here's what Jesus says, beginning in Matthew chapter five, verse 13. He says these words. He says, you are the salt of the earth. Don't, don't miss that line. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, you are the salt of the earth. That is who you are as a follower of Jesus. And everybody listening to Jesus, they understood the significance of Jesus saying this. Because see, salt's primary purpose in their world was a preservative. They understood that the key function of salt was to preserve. Without refrigeration, it was about the only way they could keep their meat and their fish from rotting and from spoiling and, and decay. But this next part is so key when we understand this whole thing of salt. Because see, salt doesn't just preserve. They also understood that salt influences. You gotta understand something about salt. Salt influences, it is not influenced. When salt touches something, it is transformed. It is never the same. I mean, think about this. When you put salt on meat, it changes the way it looks, it feels, it changes the way it tastes, it changes how it interacts with the world. And they understood that salt was not only a preservative, but it was an influencer. So Jesus' message to them was so loud and clear. He's saying, listen, when you follow me by embracing my way of life, he says, you preserve through your lifestyle, through your actions, through your interactions, you're a preservative for your community. You make your community a better place to be by the way that you live and the, by the way that you love. You are the preservative of the earth. You are the influencers of the world. Like your mission, Jesus is saying, is to live in such a way that the world is never the same when you touch it. That people's lives are never the same when you touch them. I mean, imagine the world that Jesus is speaking into. Like he's speaking into a world where mercy and compassion and submission and generosity, they were not virtues at all. Those were things for weak people. Now think about this, in today's world, when people are extra generous, when they give extra to help people who are in need, what, what do people do? They stop and applaud. Like we celebrate people who risk their lives or risk their income for the sake of other people. Why do you think that we in our world think that's now a good idea? Well, it's very simple. There was a group of followers of Jesus who took the words of Jesus very seriously when he spoke these words in Matthew chapter five, when he says, you are the salt of the earth. And their impact on the world influenced the values that we have today. But that's not all that Jesus said. Notice the last part of this verse. He says, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, don't miss this. There is a caution, there's a caution in Jesus' statement as well. He's reminding us that the only way that salt loses its saltiness if it's being diluted by something. And what that means for you and I is we begin to lose our impact when we get diluted by the way of our world, through the thoughts, through the attitudes, through the behaviors of our world. In other words, if you stop loving like Jesus and you just start loving like everybody else, I scratch your back if you scratch my back. I love people who love me, but everybody else, I'm gonna avoid and treat them badly. He says what happens is when we start, stop loving like Jesus, we lose that distinction that makes us salt, influencers, preservatives. And we just behave like other good people in our world. 
And he says these words, he goes on, he says, so if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and be trampled by man. In other words, if you claim to be a follower of me, Jesus says, but you don't love like me, you believe in me, it doesn't do anybody good if you don't love like I love. Because see, belief doesn't meet the needs of the sick. Think about this. Belief doesn't provide food for the hungry. Belief doesn't forgive. Belief doesn't show grace. I mean, the apostle Paul even said that belief, what does it tend to do? You know, he says knowledge tends to puff up. Belief doesn't provide love and care. Generosity does, serving does, love does. Actions change the world. And then Jesus, he expands on this with another example. He goes on and says, not only are you the salt, but he says, you are also the light of the world. Now, the implication is this, is the world's a dark place. Like, there is a lot of darkness in all of our communities. There are people in our communities that are looking for a better life, and, and they don't know where to find it. I mean, there are, look, there are people looking for purpose, and they don't know where to look for that at or to find that at. There are people who are looking for answers and they don't even know who to ask. I mean, there are people who are looking for hope and forgiveness and compassion and grace and direction. But Jesus says, listen, there is darkness in this world and it is hiding the answers from life or for life from people. And the other implication is, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are the light of the world. And so if it's really dark where you are, Jesus is saying, hey, you, you're the light. Make sure you're being light. Like you are here to point people toward the answers, to give them hope. Notice what he goes on and says. He says, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill, it cannot be hid. Literally meaning, if you're truly light, it's gonna be seen. You, you can't hide light. Now this word, or this idea of set on a hill, it, it literally has the idea of be, to be strategically placed. So Jesus is saying, like you have been strategically placed as a follower of Jesus in this world to make a difference, to have influence. You have the ability, just like a strategically placed city, to shine the light of God's love no matter where you are at. You have the ability, just like a strategically placed city, to make an impact, to make a difference. Now, here's what I know about many of you. You don't feel like that you are where you are by design. I mean, you may be thinking, no, uh, there's, there's nothing like strategic about my life. It's just kind of happened. That's been my life. You're, you're even saying, and I'm not even here by choice. But Jesus comes along and says, no, no, no. You are like a city set on a hill. You are strategically placed in your workplace, in your school, on that team, in that apartment complex, in your neighborhood, in that subdivision. You're strategically placed there so that you can be a light in this very dark world. To which we all go, no, no, no. I don't think that's me. I don't think I can do anything really important. I don't think I can make an impact. I don't even think I can have a positive impact in a little bit of a way. I'm just kind of living this random life. And Jesus says, hey, listen, it may seem like your life is a little bit random, but you can have an impact when you choose to shine the light of God's love right where you are. And I just want to say, the harder it is to love someone, 
The harder it is to love in a situation, the brighter the light of that love shines. In fact, then he gives us our marching orders. Notice this in verse 15. He says, neither do people put a light, a light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see. What do they want to see? What does Jesus want us, people to see in our life? See your church attendance? See the logic of your theological arguments? that make you more right than other people? No, what, what, what does Jesus say, I want them to see? Notice what he says. They may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Like, Jesus isn't talking about good deeds like you and I think about good deeds. He, he's not talking about being kind to the neighbor who is kind to you and helping friends who help you. In fact, uh, this week I was... Uh, in a, a leadership pastor's conference and um, uh, Dan Cathy there, one of the, his dad was the founder of Chick-fil-A and he was talking about this verse. He said that men may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. And he's saying, listen, what that means is you go above and beyond to make every experience that a person has with you excellent and filled with love. He said, that's why my dad used to say, whenever you put two pickles on a Chick-fil-A sandwich, you make sure they're dating, not mating so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Like, so when Jesus is talking about this, he's talking about give some, you know, not talking about giving money to the needy during like Thanksgiving and Christmas. Like, those are good deeds that everybody does, right? He's talking about loving in such a way that is so supernatural and sacrificial and so extraordinary that it causes people to sit up and take notice and go, why do they do this with so much care and so much excellence and so much love? They, they don't look at us and go, oh, look how nice those people are. No, no, no. Jesus says, I want people to see your life and go, are you kidding? Why, why would anyone be that generous? I, I just don't get it. Jesus is saying, I want people to look at your good deeds and they be so extraordinary and done with such excellence and such care that people begin to connect the dots between your lifestyle, your good deeds, and your Father in heaven. That they begin to say, why would anyone love their enemies? That just doesn't make any sense. Why would anyone forgive them after what they did? I, I could never do that. He says, I want your light to shine so bright that it makes people go, hey, what's up with him or her? Because those deeds are done with such excellence and with such care and such concern for other people. They go, wow, there's something more here. See, make sure what Jesus is saying. He's saying here, you are to be salt and you are to be light. He didn't say you're to be salty and you're to be lit. He didn't say that. He said, you are to be salt and you are to be light. Now, now, here's what is so powerful about this. Those followers of Jesus, they took this seriously. In the same way, let your light shine. And they lived their lives in such a way in this pagan Roman Greek community that they begin to connect the dots. And in a matter of just a couple hundred years, their world was turned upside down with the gospel in a good way. Not, not because of good preaching, not because of charismatic personality, but because of men and women who took this call seriously, 
to be salt and to be light, to be salt and to be light, to be salt and to be light. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So how do we do that? How do we live as salt and light seven days a week, 24 hours a day? Like what good deeds could possibly make that kind of difference? Like how do we live for our communities? Well, I, I can really sum it up for you based on the behavior of those first followers of Jesus. Because you know what they did? Those first followers of Jesus, they watched Jesus give, they watched Jesus serve, and they watched Jesus love. Like every time they gave someone something, I'm sure they remembered. They remembered how he gave the greatest display of love by giving his life on the cross. I mean, can you imagine how it would have, been, how it would have felt to look at the scars in Jesus' hands every time you had a conversation with him? And it was just this reminder that Jesus had given everything for them on the cross. I mean, can you imagine the feeling of looking in Jesus' eyes as seeing him hang on the cross for hours and suffocate, realizing, wow, man, Jesus gave so much for me. How can I not give to others? Or, or every time they served, they, they would remember how he served everyone he interacted, interacted with, especially the 11 disciples when they remembered the Last Supper. I, I mean, I'm sure the image of their leader, their, their king, their savior, getting on his hands and his knees to wash their feet. I'm sure that never left their mind every time they served someone. And, and every time they showed love to someone, I, I'm sure they remembered every moment when they watched him display love of another kind to others, especially to them. I mean, I'm sure they all remembered, hey, this is how Jesus was loving to me when I didn't get it right. And I'm sure the leaven all remember Jesus' love every time they smelled charcoal, reminding them of his love for them. And you can look up the story in John 21 when they all thought, man, we're never gonna get this right for Jesus. And he cooks breakfast for them on the beach just reminding them, I love you. So they went, and you know what they did? They gave, they served, and they loved. They gave, and they served, and they loved like Jesus did. And it changed their world, and it changed the world. So here's the thing, we can do the same. Like we just watch the way that Jesus gave, and we give like him. Not, not just normal giving, but no strings, attached kind of generosity, and we're gonna give you the opportunity to do that today. So let me ask you, are you known as a person, when people think about you, are, are, they, are you known for that kind of no strings attached kind of generosity? Like if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, do you have a consistent, like intentional plan where you just extend and demonstrate extravagant Christ-like generosity? And I don't mean you give a little bit when you have a little bit to give, like normal people do that. I mean. Like giving generously is your first priority financially. Like do you give so much that you have to say no to some of your wants and not yet to some of your goals? And I just wanna say, if giving other, to others doesn't cost you something, then you're not generous yet. Because here's the thing, a generous heart is reflected by the level of sacrifice we make, not by the amount that we give. It's not the portion, but the proportion that is a reflection of our heart. Like you can't say, we can't say that we're for others if we don't sacrifice for them in the way that not only we love them, but also the way that we're generous toward them. 
So followers of Jesus love like nobody else. They just don't love people who are like them. They love their enemies. They, they love people who we, I mean, often find, go, man, they're so difficult to love. But that's when love, the light of love shows the most. They love people who don't like them. They love people even when it costs them. They show their love through their generosity. So here's the thing. If you're with us today at any of our churches and you're calling yourself a Christ follower, is that what you're really known for? Loving people generously. Because our churches can only be for others to the level that you are for others. Like, what do you need to do to grow in this area of loving and giving and serving? Like last week, did you just listen to the sermon and then go back and live the same way you always lived in your home and in your workplace and in your school and in your community? Or did you go back and you say, no, I'm going to love I'm gonna love the way Jesus loved me or you just go living the way that you've been living. Listen, for some of you, every year when we get to this fall season, we talk about these three things. I'll get emails or text messages or conversations where people say, you know, I wish you'd just skip that fourth thing for those three weeks and just take us deeper into the Bible. But let me just say something. The reason we come back here every year, here's what I understand. There's nothing deeper than loving people who are your enemies. There's nothing deeper than loving people who have hurt you. There, there's nothing deeper than loving people who've disappointed you. Like, I don't know how much deeper you can go than learning to love other people the way that Jesus has loved us. Because what it does, it forces us to rely on God and keep growing in our understanding of who he is and his love for us. It doesn't allow us when we understand, oh, I've got a long ways to go before I love others like Jesus loved me. It doesn't allow us to have the room to convince ourselves that we are good enough and, and then we get arrogant and we become narcissistic and, and self-righteous in our ways because we, we know so much more than everybody else. No, Jesus says no. If you are gonna follow me, you, you gotta love others, everyone, the way I loved you. So here's my thing. If you're trying to dodge these three things of loving, serving, and giving, then it's probably because, man, there's an area of, of your life you need to grow in in one of those areas. Like our communities should be a better place because we as churches are in them. Our beliefs, though, won't make our communities better. Our giving, our serving, and our loving will. Because here's the reality. Followers of Jesus live for their communities. So, Now's your opportunity to lean in and begin being for your communities through this generosity um, for giving that we do every year. And so, um, as we just talked about, uh, we wanna give radically, no strings attached kind of generosity. So here's the thing that you need to understand. What you're gonna give today, um, every bit of it is gonna go right back into our communities. Um, and when the people in our communities ask why we're doing this, we're gonna tell them, hey, we are being generous because we are the recipients of extraordinary generosity. We're just following the example of our king and we're giving in his name because of his grace that was generously extended to every one of us. So this year, like I just said, as always the plan, we're gonna give every dime for that you give to this four offering um, and here's where the money is gonna go. We've identified some local organizations that we partner with that are doing extraordinary work in our communities and we're gonna surprise them with these funds that you're gonna be giving. Um, and so here's where our challenge is. So our challenge is, is that everybody is gonna give $40 for others. Now, here's what I know. 
If you're new around here, I mean, this is the exciting Sunday for our church, and, and we're going to be blessing so many organizations who are blessing others. But some of you, here's what I know. Every year we get here, some of you will give $4,000 for others. Some of you will give $400 for others. Some of you will give $40 for others. But here's the thing. If you're here today, oh, man, there's no way I can give $40. It, it's not about amount. You just give what you can. It's not about amount. Our goal is that we have 100% participation at all of our churches. Now, some of this money is going to go to address hunger. Um, we're, we're going to help resource organizations that feeds kids and widows and orphans and adults in need. We're going to um, address some of the challenge needs of children in our communities. It's going to help some organizations that serve neglected, abused, and abandoned children. Some of this money is going to go to help housing in our communities because there is a housing crisis in all of our communities that single moms face and moms-to-be and kids, I mean, who have no place to sleep at night. It's, it's incredible. Um, some of this money will go like to organizations, for example, like Habitat for Humanity is doing just an amazing job in our communities right now. And as I said earlier, for the last few years, I mean, you guys have been giving around forty-five, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year, which is incredible. But here's the thing I want to challenge you. Don't just be comfortable in what you give. Make it sacrificial. See, give whatever Jesus tells you to give and then just let him build your faith. But everybody can give something, even if it's a dollar. Now, here's the thing. You can put your cash or check in that forgiving envelope that was on the seat when you came in, or you can scan that QR code that was on that envelope and you can give through the app. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray for us. And then before you leave, put your gift in the four envelope and drop it in the giving boxes on the way out of your auditorium, or you can scan that QR code on that giving envelope and you can give to the four fund through the app. So let's let our radical, no strings attached generosity declare loudly in our communities that we are for them and that God is for them. And here's the thing, as you leave today, um, just a reminder for yourself, we have these four clings that we gave out last week. They were on everybody's seat. They're on the seat this week. But at, as you leave, um, our guest services team are going to have these at the back of the auditorium, and uh, they'll give them to you. And it's just a reminder. It's a reminder to you, hey, I've got to be for um, because Jesus was for everyone. So let's go be light. Let's go do what's right. Let's give, let's serve, let's love, and let's just get better at loving like Jesus loved. Can I pray for all of us? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this incredible opportunity today. God, we so desire to live in such a way that people see our good deeds not just average good deeds, but they're done with such excellence and such care and such concern for others that they ask the question, why would they do that? Why would they give the time, the energy, the focus to do that? May they be done with such concern, excellence and care and focus that they feel the love to the level they begin to ask themselves, where's that coming from? That's not average. And God, has, as we continue to bless our communities, especially this month, organizations who are doing hard work in the trenches of impacting people's lives, help us not to sit back and go, oh, somebody else can carry that. I'm not rich. But maybe I'll do something. May we all sacrifice at some level, just as a reminder that love is always selfless 
and love always sacrifices. So thank you for how you have loved us through your generous grace to us and may we then give generously to those around us. In Jesus' name, I thank you for your love. Amen. Hey, thanks everyone. Don't forget, give generously. We'll see you next Sunday as we wrap up this series.